Hello, welcome back to the Life Nurse podcast. I said in the last podcast that I probably wasn't going to create one for in between now and when watches or Geneva watch days ends, but there was uh, some pretty big news that I think is worth talking about, um, and that was Rolex's acquisition of Bucher. This is a, a, a big, big move, and it, of course Rolex would do it in the typical slow summers that the watch industry sees. Um, so I wanted to sort of go through what happened and sort of the implications that I, that I see from it, and I guess what uh, the watch market is seeing from it. Um, I'll also talk about a new MBNF piece that was released, as I always do, because um, of course I absolutely love the brand and what they're doing there. So, um, obviously you probably have heard about it, but Rolex has acquired Bucher, um, Bucher being one of the <clears throat> largest, um, largest, uh, I guess, watch selling companies in, in, in the world. They also sell jewelry as well. So there's you know, more, more fast to their sort of business model. But obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably interested in their, um, in their watch, watch industry specifically. This acquisition happened because, um, essentially the, um, the current owner, Jörg Bucher's, um, he, he he made the decision to sell this company because he didn't have a direct descendant that he could pass the business onto. And so Rolex decided to step in and acquire this really well-established watch retailer. Um, and the, what they've said is the intentions that they have are to carry forward the legacy of Bucher's success and to honor the close partnership that has linked both brands since 1924. It's a long time that these two companies have worked together, and so it almost feels like their names are synonymous. As I mentioned, Bucher is an internationally recognized multi-brand retailer that has um, has locations in Switzerland, in the U.S., in England, Germany, France, Denmark, and Austria. They're all over the place. They sell, obviously, many different brands, Rolex being one of them. Tudor being another one. They also sell some really high quality jewelry as well. Um, so they really are uh, an incredible sort of watch and jewelry brand. So um, it's worth also reminding individual, you know, people who are listening to this podcast that um, that Bucher had acquired um, Tourneau, which was a, a watch company, a watch distribution company. Uh, or I guess a watch retailer back in 2018 um, that allowed them to have uh, some additional uh, additional stores in their network of um, companies. And it also sort of expanded their sort of e-commerce uh, presence through the, the Torno network. This is a, a, an interesting part because obviously this, this um, acquisition was... Um, was... Uh, was announced, but it still is pending the um, green light from you know competition authorities to make sure that there there aren't any regulatory standards that this uh, acquisition is going to step on. So, I guess one of the things that um, 
is worth sort of mentioning is, you know, how is Rolex going to be involved in, in the in the brand, and based on the statements, you know, Rolex really means that this is a way to essentially maintain um, their relationship with Bucher and make sure that Bucher kind of continues to survive um, in the way that's um, that that. Uh, that they wanted to. Um, apparently, the way that the partnership, or I guess the, the ownership is going to work is that Bucher is going to maintain sort of its operational independence and the existing management team is going to stay intact. They also said that I think there's going to be a, like a like a non, non-executive director from Rolex who's going to oversee Bucher. So it's not it's not like it's it's going to be a huge mix up of the management team. Which on its on the face value, I guess you know that really does make you feel like there's Bucher will maintain its independence and um, operating you know standards and, and management team and, and all that. So it means it's it's probably going to make you know most of the decisions independently. But you have to also realize that they are going to end up reporting up to the Rolex Group, and so um, you know that is going to have its implications. Many people have, you know, speculated on things like, you know, Bucher and Rolex have had a relationship, and maybe they'll be able to get more, more pieces than other other watch comp other watch um, watch retailers, or I guess watch um, official retailers of Rolex can get. But I don't, you know, we'll say that uh, this isn't probably going to have a, an impact on on the way that that works. I think Rolex will operate their, you know, distribution you know, the same way that they always have and, and continue to operate independently. But I think the street um, is definitely, uh, and by the street, I mean, you know, Wall Street and, and investors are definitely not seeing that as what they think is going to happen. Pretty interestingly, um, Watches of Switzerland is another sort of big watch company and their shares, their share price like dropped off by some, like over 30%. Uh, after this announcement was made. And I think that is an indication that they think that this partnership between, you know, investors think that this partnership between Bucher and Rolex might show signs that, you know, Bucher might get some some additional treatment based on on this new partnership. Um, In 2020, the, the CEO of the Watch of Switzerland group, Brian Duffy, said that 53% of his group's sales came from Rolex. And so what investors are obviously looking at is the idea that, you know, if over 50%, 53% of your sales are coming from this one company and they've just decided to essentially buy one of your major competitors, um, you know, that's going to squeeze probably your access to the, the largest group of watches that you rely on for your sales. And... Um, and that's that's concerning. Now, th- there's a lot of things that have sort of ha- happened as well. You know, the Rolex Group continues to state that it isn't a strategic move by Rolex to get into retail. It's not something that they're interested in doing. Um, it's it's purely a, a a way to continue the the sort of um, sort of path of Bucher as it had a challenge with finding a, a new owner. Um, this is pretty interesting um, to sort of contemplate if you if you think that 
you know, Rolex is sort of getting into this market. I think something also to consider, you know, Bucher has done some pretty interesting things recently too, being uh, certified, having their own certified pre-owned um, process with uh, with Rolex pieces that they they just recently came out with. So there's there's a lot of things that are sort of happening between in, with Rolex and Bucher that sort of you know make you question you know what this move really is about. I think it does though you know add some resilience to what Bucher is doing as a as a company. Um, you know, Rolex is a huge company, and when you think about it, if Rolex didn't acquire them, who would actually be buying Bucher from York? Um, from York Bucher, it's difficult to really um, think who would be that uh, that 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 company or the individual um, who, who would have the liquidity or the the ability to structure a deal with this um, this kind of company. Who knows? Um, what, what I will say, though, from maybe like an enthusiast perspective is if we believe everything that Rolex is saying, that this is not just not a way for them to get into retail. This is really a way for them to preserve the Bucher brand and the partnership that they've had for, um, you know, 90 odd years. They're over 90 years. Um, you, you have to admit that this is a, a pretty nice um, a nice end story as long as it gets through sort of the regulatory you know affairs i think a lot of the times you see watch companies or watch retail you know watch related um businesses get acquired by people who really aren't passionate about watches or passionate about um the watch industry and sometimes that can dilute um thing dilute the company and sort of change the nature of it instead of being about watchmaking it can kind of make it turn on its head and be more about maybe uh, you know your profit margins and you know cutting things that aren't that aren't uh, profitable when really it's a big part of uh, the brand as a whole so if you trust the words that that the release have sort of um, come out with it it um, it does it, it at least allows you to to say that it's at least in the hands of uh, other watch enthusiasts or people who are interested in you know preserving um, this this hobby that we really do love i will say that likely there are going to be some interesting watches that are going to be released at bucher maybe some rolex or tudor um bucher uh, boutique editions I, I could totally see that being part of it now that they do have this partnership obviously it's probably going to be a slow iterative process and, and um you know we'll see if that ever comes to fruition with a brand like rolex but it does seem like they're playing around with things a little bit more especially with some of their recent releases it's going to be really interesting um, over the next coming months to see how this story sort of evolves and um, the impact that it has on um, on watch brands. All right, so enough of Rolex and sort of all all of that uh, that fun stuff. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts though. So hit us up on uh, Instagram or on our website. Um, we'd love to hear what you think about this uh, partnership. Moving on to MBNF, MBNF released two new uh, Sapphire Vision editions of the HM9. To give you a little bit of background, in 2019, um, MBNF presented the Horological Machine Number no. 9. It was nicknamed HM9 Flow, and it was essentially a tribute to the automotive and aeronautic designs of the 1940s and 50s, with this really cool sort of epoch-flowing aerodynamic lines that the case had. Um, it was really complex to actually make this piece. 
Um, it had two fully independent balance wheels and a cent central uh, central planetary differential performing the task of sort of averaging the two distinct heartbeats into one coherent time pulse. Two years later, they released the HM9 Sapphire Vision Editions, which were essentially the HM9, except the shell of the case um, had a was transparent. Um, they were produced in very limited editions with only five pieces um, because the cases obviously being in sapphire were very very difficult to make um, and they're essentially two flat slabs that are screwed together um, again it retains a lot of the sort of curved lines and and um, very impressive uh, construction that they that they had today or i guess uh, this was um last Thursday when you're going to be listening to this, um, it, the MBNF presented two new HM9 Sapphire Vision editions with their Sapphire Crystals, both of them limited to five pieces each. The first one was an 18 karat yellow gold frame with a green CBD movement, and the second was an 18 karat white gold frame with a blue CBD movement. Taking a look at these pieces, they are so, so cool, and I think having a sapphire case like this piece um, is the perfect sort of portal into being able to produce pieces with the, these really cool colors. Um, these pieces are, these are big. They're, they're not small um, on the wrist by any, by any stretch of the imagination. But again, these are pieces of art more than, more than anything. Um, and I think they look phenomenal. I think the combination of the um, the green treated movement with the yellow gold accents on the on the case of the the HM9 is is a beautiful combination, especially because the green is not super super dark. It's got this kind of light but um, modern um, reflection to it. Obviously, with really beautiful finishing on it as well. Um, and then the the blue and white gold is, is also really phenomenal. But the green and the green and yellow gold really stand out stands out to me as, as one of the one of my favorites. Um, each of them, obviously, like I said, are they're limited to uh, uh, five pieces each. So again, fairly limited in quantities. I think it meshes nicely with the um, with the purple. Uh, purple and because um, they've, they've come out they've had a couple of versions of these and I'm going to get the um, I want to make sure that I tell you exactly um, exactly the the different um, combinations that they that they have so uh, bear with me really quickly so yeah so they have the um, like I mentioned the blue and the the blue with 18 karat white gold, they have the green with um, 18 karat yellow gold, they then have a black version with red gold, they have a dark blue version with red gold, they have a um, uh, red gold sort of movement finishing and um, white gold uh, case, then they have that purple one that I was mentioning in the, in the sapphire versions. So a cool iteration on, on this HM9, nice, nice progression for the, for the company. Uh, beautiful looking, my favorite is 100% the, 
uh, green with 18 karat yellow gold. I think it's a great combination. Um, I'll leave a link in the show notes to the HM9 so you can you can see pictures while I sort of talk through it. it it's really uh, um, some beautiful, beautiful pieces. I keep sort of being impressed by, by MBNF and what they decided to come out with, honestly. It's funny because when you see pictures of these, it, it sometimes is hard to comprehend, but when you see these pieces in person, um, it really puts it into perspective on, on how difficult the, the, the difficult challenges that MBNF tries to face and, and obviously accomplishes um, you know, po- positive results when they, when they really do go at, um, at these pieces. So absolutely love it. Um, congrats MBNF. I'm sure that these will go, um, go pretty quickly. Shorter episode today, but um, I hope this gives you a little bit of watch news uh, just before um, Geneva Watch Days kicks off. I'm excited to see what is released and what sort of were the headlines for a lot of these companies, especially because they're companies that we love, I personally love, um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, if you didn't see, we've start, we're going to begin to talk about a new um, group of watches. I'm very excited to do that, so our first um, video we'll be covering is going to be released tomorrow. So um, check out lifeontherist.com tomorrow for our article and video where we'll go into one of the pieces that we we, uh, we have in the one of four. So kicking off another sort of uh, group of watches that I'm very excited to get into. So um, check out Life on the Wrist tomorrow for that. Um, but if you follow our Instagram, you'll probably get um, news for all of that coming out. If you are feeling um, generous and wouldn't mind rating this podcast, it really does help me out. Share it with a friend who might be interested in watches. That also helps me out great, greatly. With that said, guys, thanks very much for listening to this podcast, and we'll catch you in the next one.